Servant Leadership Institute podcast. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be doing part two of this little mini series we've been doing on 10 ways to create engaged employees as a servant leader. If you remember from our last podcast, we gave you five ways to create engaged employees as a servant leader. We recognize that lack of engagement is a huge issue for our workforce, with an estimated 51% of employees not engaged at their jobs. As servant leaders, we want to encourage happy, healthy employees who love coming through the door each day. Today, we'll discuss five more tips for creating engagement in our organizations. And today, again, I'll be sitting with uh, Carol Malinsky, our Director of Content and Curriculum for SLI. Hello, Hi, Carol. it's me. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> she's back. And so she's going to be the one that's really uh, going to be diving into and explaining for you guys uh, these uh, final five ways that you can uh continue to engage, uh, create engagement and um, increase it in your, mm-hmm. in your workforce. Mm-hmm. But before we get into the final four, five ways, I'd like to just recap what we talked about in the last episode. So the first five ways that we talked about were these. The first one was the idea of involve the team in decision making. Two was let them choose their tools. Three was ask for their input in difficult situations. Four was ask for their ideas. And five was communicate business results honestly. Mm -hmm. And so now that we go into the final five, uh, we're just going to go on to the sixth one, which is acknowledge them. The idea of acknowledging your team. Right. So um, acknowledgement that feeling of worth uh-huh. that a person has is important to everyone. And everybody wants to be acknowledged and not uh, ignored. And I think many times uh, for a leader, you sort of put yourself in a place where you're focused on the end game, what you're trying to achieve, and you forget about the people that are involved in that. So I'm talking things as little as acknowledging people when you pass them in the hallway. Some of you know I tell the story of, you know, at uh, Daytron World Communications when we began the conversion to servant leadership, we had employees who worked in manufacturing who actually told us that, you know, people would pass them in the hallway and not ever say hi to them or acknowledge them in any way. And that really bothered them. That was a big deal for them. Mm. Uh, and so we had to, uh, as a leadership team, we had to accept the fact that, yeah, we were failing in that area and change our behaviors. And uh, it wasn't, of course, just formal leadership, but also, you know, anybody who's, who worked in office areas versus people that worked in manufacturing. Mm, so, so this was company-wide initiative. Yes, yes. Um, and I think... Um, most people will agree that when we pass people a lot of times in the hallway, we, you know, we've got this barrier up and we don't say hi. Or, or we think, are they going to say hi to me? 
because I'm not going to say hi to them unless they say hi to me. Mm. Um, when in general, we need to be willing to just say hi. How's mm. it going? You know, have a great day, whatever it may be, but acknowledge the fact that that's another human being that you're dealing with. And, you know, thank people mm-hmm. for uh, something they may do for you as you encounter them um, and compliment them on something. Mm. You know, you may see that they've done a really nice job on something. Don't be afraid to just, you're not going to spoil anybody by saying you did a great job. Um, and you will find, you'll reap the benefits of that if you acknowledge folks. What was the reaction of uh, employees like when you decided, when Daytron decided to, to really put a focus on um, changing that behavior uh, company-wide? Well, I think, I think two things. Um, we, didn't, we actually know of a, a client that we have that mandated people to do this. Oh, okay. This was not a mandate for, for Daytron. It was mm-hmm. something that was brought to people's attention, brought to leadership's attention, and we worked on changing that. What you find in that situation is, um, I think pretty, as far as leadership was concerned, people are pretty open about saying, oh, yeah, oh, that's, that's true. You know, maybe we're not doing so great a job at that. But it's also something that you have to be very consistent about because the people that you are dealing with, the people that feel they are not acknowledged, aren't going to change their minds overnight. They're going to be a little bit distrustful Mm -hmm. and say, you know, well, that's great. They did it this week, but what about next week? Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to be consistent and really show people that, um, that you're committed to treating them in a different way. Now, this company that I referenced um, a few seconds ago actually said, you know, as a, a, a thing, an edict, you will acknowledge people in the hallway mm-hmm. as their way of trying to make improve their culture. And, um, you know, it's, it's too bad that they had to mandate it or felt they had to mandate it. Um, and I don't really know if it worked fully worked or not mm-hmm. um but it was interesting an interesting approach <laughs> yeah definitely it, it just seems like a pretty sensitive yeah topic um to be addressing you know to a huge group that right. you know right. people are feeling devalued here or not acknowledged at all and you don't want to make the other people feel terrible that they're not acknowledging <laughs> people so it's like it's, yeah, it's a very, kind of a sensitive thing yeah sure. very sensitive yeah. so okay great so let's go into uh the seventh way so um that's the idea of spend spending time with them or spending time with your team right and so um the easiest actually way to do that is to actually schedule one-on-one meetings with your direct reports um, on a weekly basis. And I know that a lot of people probably do this, but make sure as we do this that the purpose is really twofold. Well, actually, it can be more than twofold when I think about it. Um, One is to get to know that person as a person. Mm. And, you know, what are they interested in? what do they do away from work? Uh, family stuff. Do they have children? You know, and so forth. Um, 
Are they a great soccer coach, for example? <laughs> um, and that's something that, you know, you can talk about. You may find common ground in that conversation. But I also think, so that's, pri- that's the primary purpose. Mm-hmm. And through that, through finding out about this person, you can also find out what are their goals for the future? What mm-hmm. are their hopes Um, Do they want to stay doing what they're doing or do they want to rise higher in the department? Do they want to go into something totally different and how can you help them do that? Um, So finding out what their aspirations are is really, really important and it's important in this overall culture that you're trying to create that um, sort of champions the employee and helps them to develop. So it's not, um, oh, you're just here, you walk in, go over to that desk and make a paycheck and give me what I need in order to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really important. The one-on-one is very, very useful. Now, do you do you remember when the you started integrating the one-on-one yes and uh how was how was that at first integrating that with the people that were reporting to you that's just a really great question brian because it was very awkward Mm. they don't they what how we're gonna do what we're gonna sit around and talk about what (laughs) i want to talk about that's really tough and that's um you know i I didn't go into that and i should have because really a one-on-one is all about the employee, right? Yeah. So you should be talking about what they want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very difficult for people when they've never encountered this before, this mm-hmm. focus. Um, so it's really tough, and you're going to have to you're going to have to fill in as the leader to mm-hmm. sort of help them until they get used to talking in this way, mm-hmm. you know, and saying and admitting to your boss that you want to do something really if you if your dream could come true you know you might be doing something totally different in the company or you might be out in the world working for a different organization as leaders we have to be willing to listen to that to hear that and in a servant-led organization to help them if you can help them Mm -hmm. but when you first start it's really tough for people to come in and say well you know I, I really want to be a you know, an opera star, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, because you're you're letting people see what's really important to you, and it may not be working in the accounting department. Mm-hmm. But you have to get to the point, or hopefully would get to the point, where you're comfortable enough to say, this is my long-term dream, but boy, you know, I'm going to, I enjoy doing this work. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy working for you, and I'm going to work my little, you know, head off supporting you until I can reach that goal that I have. Because mm-hmm. um, that's the tough part, yeah. is, is being afraid that you'll be seen as, um, the organization will be seen as just a, a stopping place along the way. Yeah. Yeah, I think <clears throat> for me, um, SLI was the first uh, company that I worked for that in, uh, incorporated one-on-ones um, into uh, we we did them on a weekly basis, and I re- just remember the first uh, few that I would go into <laughs> definitely feeling a little awkward because mm-hmm. 
you really do need it to, to be communicated to you um, sometimes repeatedly what the goal and, and intended outcome is of these one-on-ones. And if it is, in fact, just to get to know your employee, um, you know, my boss was needing to clarify to me that it's it's not a it's not a status report. I mean, you don't right. need to come in with with what you're currently working on and tell me all the things that you're doing. And uh, you know, we spend this hour only talking about work. I mean, she was asking me questions about my life, questions about where I've been, where I want to go in my career and things like that. And sometimes it was, you know, ended up turning into a, a little mini therapy session or, you know, <laughs> a little coaching in, in one way or another that didn't in fact need to be about work at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there is a certain amount of freedom um, from the uh, the facilitator's perspective um, of how you would like these one-on-ones to be conducted. Again, we're only giving you one main criteria, and that's the, um, you know, the fact that these should be used for a way to, uh, you know, better understand and bond with your employee and get to know them better with the intended outcome in the future to uh, allow them to grow and uh, understand better how they can uh, help the company to their mm-hmm. best, you know, the best of their abilities. You're, you're finding their values. You're finding out about their gifts. You're finding out about the, their passions. So I just wanted to make that clarification too, that it's, it's, it is, it is a, you know, a free forum, so to speak, right. of how you want these to be conducted. Right. But let me add just one more thing to that. Cause I heard you say it, it ended up, ended up being kind of like a little mini therapy session. Be very careful, leaders out there, that you are not, I mean, maybe you are a psychologist, (laughs) but most likely you're not. Yes. And don't put yourself in a position where you are acting as a psychologist. Um, Unfortunately, sometimes we do have people that work with us that are badly in need of a psychologist. Mm. And so... They, uh, we, we feel like we, we have to help them. We want to help them. We're very sincere, you know, in our feelings, but it can also be, um, you know, a dangerous place to be, oh, uh, to put yourself in that position. So just be aware that, you know, you, you aren't there to, to psychoanalyze anybody. Um, and if you really feel like somebody needs help beyond what you can offer, um, you know, that's what your HR department is there for. Mm-hmm. And that's what, um, you know, we have insurance people <laughs> <laughs> that get help, you know, for uh, for our employees. Yeah. So other resources. Right. There are other resources. So that's good. So there's another way, though, in, in of getting, uh, of spending time with our employees. Not that you can't, you know, go and talk to them any time during the day, but we had a, a head of manufacturing who decided that he would have lunch with his manufacturing crew every day because mm. he brought us lunch anyway. So we just thought, well, instead of, you know, hanging out here in my office and hiding away, I'm going to start going out and in the lunchroom with the manufacturing folks and sitting and having my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Mm. And at first, 
of course. <laughs> people were very people were a little on edge a little on, bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they did cuz they didn't know what to make of this. Um maybe he's spying on us. Why would <laughs> right, why yeah. would he want to come have lunch with us or in our space and you know, um does it inhibit what I would do with my lunch hour? And my mm-hmm. lunch hour is my lunch hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it turned out to really be a good thing. It really bonded him with um, with employees. And uh, I really, you know, I admired him as a leader very much because he went through a growth period having to do with servant leadership, which I had not seen up to that point, mm. where you have someone who really doesn't start out um, really understanding how to live day to day as a servant leader and going through this evolution to where he was, you know, perfectly comfortable sitting and talking with people who were from a totally different background, different world than he was. But um, he got into it, and it was really an admirable thing. And then it paid off. Yeah. Because he was able to build those relationships. Right. So that was was a a really a great way of spending time with his employees. Do you know off the top of your head kind of how long that that would have uh, taken him, you know, in, you know, ballpark it? How many different lunches over how many different uh, amount of time? Well, I think it probably depended on, you know, the people that you were talking about. You know, some people are so much more open. And some people see it as, oh, I'm going to make friends with the, you know, with my boss. And, you know, I'm going to be getting favors because of that. But I think that all falls by the wayside. I Probably I would think a couple months. Just, again, this consistency. Being consistent. And saying, I'm going to do this and doing it. Mm-hmm. And people after a while see, oh, that's it. Plus, he's treating them with dignity and respect. Yeah, so there's a genuineness of right. what he's doing. There's, not there's a, a it's sincerity. Not a, um, it's a multiplier's yeah. approach, not a diminisher's. And that's really important. And particularly, I think, when we're, um, you know, depending on what type of position someone has. You know, somebody who's working out in the shipping department doesn't ordinarily yeah. sit down and have lunch with the VP of manufacturing. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, I I really don't know for a fact how long it would take, but I would think a couple of months at least. Yeah, definitely. Great. So those are two examples of ways that you can spend time with your team or your employees. Let's go on to the eighth Uh, way that we suggest. So this is ask them to step out of their comfort zones. Hmm. Yes. This one is a tough one because people actually have to change not only their their behavior, but also their thinking. And uh, so it's a little bit little bit rougher, but most departments, at least in my experience, to one some extent or the other um, see themselves as this little entity amongst 
a bunch of other little entities. And there are some times when we act to protect ourselves. And so we sort of build these walls, right? And if you come into my little domain, I'm going to tell you how I do my stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's the way, the only way to do it is the way we do it. Um, and that's, you know, that's a, a, to me, a sign of disengagement because you don't, you aren't listening to other people. And so what we're advocating here is that you get out of the comfortable Mm -hmm. and begin to look at your group in the bigger picture. Where does it fit into the organization? Who are my customers? My customer isn't really always the man out in the field. Um, Many times my customer is internal to the company. So it's another group passing information to me. I use that information to do my, my piece of the flow, and then I pass that information off to my downstream customer. Mm-hmm. And so what we're really asking is that um, we're saying to get involved, you know, to open your eyes, open your mind, and get involved where necessary in those processes that affect you and that you do that affects somebody else. Mm. So open yourself up to that flow. And um, I like to use an example of a gentleman that um, works at Daytron and uh, in the shipping area, and he's the leader in that area and a very good one. Um, He had an issue where he wouldn't know how much product he was going to be given in a given day to turn around and ship out. And you can imagine that might be a problem Mm -hmm. because you might get out of the blue, you know, a thousand radios that have to get shipped. I'm exaggerating. You wouldn't get that many in a day. Um, So he said, well, shoot, I'm not just going to sit here anymore and wait for it to come to me I'm going to go find out what I'm going to get so he you know that's why I like to use the step out of your comfort zone because he stepped out of the shipping department into the upstream customer the customer that was feeding him the radios and set up a system where they would let him know what he was going to get and um he was the last stop on the line, so <laughs> so I didn't. I don't know that he had to communicate exactly what he was going to do, other than to let a trunking company know, "Here's what I'm going to have for today, and I need you to pick it up." Yeah. Kind of but that's an example of stepping outside your particular comfort zone. So what happens when you do that is you're not the victim anymore. Mm. You aren't hit with a surprise that you can say, oh, you know, poor me, I can't get my job done because of this. So it stops this victim attitude that a lot of our groups have, which is quite natural. I mean, we all fall into that from time to time. So it stops that. Um, It helps us to build relationships between the departments, which is an important thing to everything working smoothly and flowing the way that it should flow. Um, 
So that's really what we're asking when we're asking people to step outside that, that comfort zone. Now, when you do that, don't disrespect people. <laughs> we all feel that we are experts in our particular job. So, you know, when you make that move outside your comfort zone or to find out from another group, you know, when you might receive what you need, make sure that you honor them when you do that and that you treat them with respect and then there won't be fights over you know get out of our department we'll we'll give you the info <laughs> when we're good and ready kind of thing oh yeah um and understand how important the information that you have is to the other group gotcha. so it works both ways so it's a p it's a big piece of of being proactive yes but being proactive with, uh, you know, um, compassion and and, mm-hmm. uh, and empathy and empathy, uh, exactly. So anybody can can put dawn on the hat of of proactivity, but then you don't want to be running around um, demanding the world from right. from other departments right. and and uh, you know annoying them. <laughs> right. And the other thing that happens too that's really interesting is you may have an idea about some way that their process might work better. Yeah. And, you know, if you if you verbalize that in the right way, then people are more open to what you have to say, to the idea that you have. And over time, people aren't going to automatically put up this wall of, uh-oh, there's so-and-so again telling us how to do our job. Yeah. It's going to be more like, oh, that maybe that is a good idea. Maybe we should try that and see what happens. Um, so it can it's just can be very beneficial to not have these arbitrary lines between our departments. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and for our listeners, as you can kind of start to tell, these uh, these ways or suggestions on uh, of creating engaged employees are gonna kind of start to bleed into one another. And complement other uh, other ways that we've talked about too. Mm-hmm. Um, so especially when you're you're asking for people's ideas, and right. people are coming up with their ideas, um, that blends can blend in a scenario like this of of asking people to step out of their comfort zone. Because the moment that they're out in their comfort zone and they kind of start to feel a little bit more comfortable, um, they're they can start to become more optimistic to change and um, be eager to start trying to innovate their processes. Right. And, oh, along the way, they become engaged. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, and one more thing. I mean, the, to, to set up, I think there's a hard thing when it comes to uh, – to explaining the why for stepping out of your comfort zone, the why of being proactive. I think that sometimes it could be clouded with this concept of, well, I need to be proactive because I'm going to be getting a raise or there's going to be, you know, some other thing. And if that's not an option right now for me, then I'm not going to be as proactive. Mm. So I just thought about that too of making sure that you're not faking your proactivity or you're not having 
false ulterior motives for your proactivity. Being genuine, again, we're talking about engagement. We're talking about building relationships. I mean, people are going to be able to see through the lines of why you're doing what you're doing eventually. And so really, this is a this is an internal thing more than anything else of, of why exactly am I wanting to be proactive? Because there's great ways of wanting to wanting to benefit the company. I, I, na- I, I naturally want my process to be as streamlined and, and um, as dynamic as possible. Um, and having that be your goal to want to be proactive and say, I, or I want to genuinely help the other people in this company to do their, the, the job the best way that it can. Like those are really genuine ways of being proactive, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And that's really what we're looking for. That's where the engagement comes in is when people um, are willing to do that and willing to think in those terms Mm -hmm. rather than just thinking, this is my box. It has four walls. And I'm just going to put my head down and work within those four walls. Um, When really we should be looking for, you know, the, the way out. Of those four walls, yeah, into yeah. a bigger, bigger um, space. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so on to the ninth way that we um, are suggesting that you can you can create and upgrade engagement in your employees. Um, oh, I like this that. idea Great of <laughs> uh, this idea of organized department exchanges. Yeah, this is a really cool thing, actually. That. Um, a young lady that I worked with uh, organized. Actually, she was in my group, and she organized what we called department exchanges. And that is literally where two departments would get together and present to one another um, what they did, how they did it, uh, how it might affect each other, how they could support one another um, in a greater way and she did that with all of the groups that affected uh, the planning group which is where she worked planning and inventory and uh, it was very very successful so you had people who really um, you know took the time to do a little presentation might be a spreadsheet might be a couple of slides something like that but to just communicate with another group Find out, you know, what are their, what are the things that drive them nuts that the other group is doing? Mm. Because they may not even know, they may not understand why the other group (laughs) gets upset, why this is a hot button for them, Yeah, you know? And if people would, usually they would do it over lunch. You always got to have food. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Want to get something done? (laughs) Have food. And um, yeah, it just worked really well and was very successful. Um, with, again, breaking down walls between departments, silos, we, we call them sometimes. Yeah. And um, all because, you know, one person decided it would be a good thing to do. That's engaged, right? Uh-huh. Um, and uh, it was just really cool to see them do that, you know, coming from their level. I, I believe she was a supervisor at that time. Yeah. 
And now, again, I think a, a cool emphasis in that story is is exactly that. No one told her that she needed to be doing that. She knew that there was an, a new initiative company-wide of this servant leadership, building relationships, wanting to focus right. more on bonding with employees and gaining a, a better culture. And she stepped out and decided to try this idea out. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that it worked fantastically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's just so cool that it wasn't it wasn't an initiative. It didn't have to go through a board. It didn't have to go through this, you know, agreement process, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, a bunch of upper level people needed to sign off on. This was something that she just put together, made sure that it worked out for everybody's schedule and uh, and made something exciting that that is again not the norm in a company like that either so you're you're now giving some uh you're now giving people another thing to look forward to as well especially yeah. if you continue to do it consistently yeah yeah so thank you annalise <laughs> and thank Shout you jay out. if i didn't say that earlier <laughs> Okay, so so let's uh, let's go to the the final, the tenth way, um, which is assign relationship building across department lines. Yeah, so this is a fun one and one that I was involved in um, many years ago now, um, and that is we all at least I don't know maybe I'm crazy maybe I'm the only one that feels this way but usually I believe. There is a group within your organization that you don't really understand what the heck they do. <laughs> yeah. For me, it was accounting. I mean, I knew what they did in the sense of keeping all the numbers, you know, <laughs> keeping all the numbers of the business so they could, you know, do taxes and pay people and all that good stuff Yeah. Um, and collect the revenue for the product that we shipped. But I didn't really understand the, the details of it. And I would not have sought out someone in accounting um, to necessarily hang out with, mm. right? But yet, as a, a manager and another manager in another area we were you know um, part of this conversion this transformation to servant leadership and so um, one of the things that Art Barter did was require that his management team pick someone within the group that they would get to know and that they would meet with on a regular basis and so for me in looking at you know all of the various groups and what I understood and didn't understand and all that, I picked accounting. Mm-hmm. It was only logical. He was not the person that I would have hung out with on a regular basis. <laughs> but because um, we didn't speak the same language, you know, we didn't yeah. understand what the other one did really. Um, so we began to meet, just you know, go have a cup of coffee together or maybe go to lunch. And uh, lo and behold, you know, he was a guy that had a son, and his <laughs> son was getting married, and um, he'd lived in several places, I don't really remember where, but several different places and working with different companies, had a great deal of expertise, um, was a very nice man. 
And I would have missed all that <laughs> if we did not go through this exercise. So now here's what happens. You've got, I'm sure there's people out there in our audience right now saying, so what? Um, prior to my getting to know him, if I had any kind of issue with accounting or I needed information from them, it was sort of a chore, right? I mean, I'd just be one more request on the the big <laughs> list of requests. But now I have a relationship with the accounting manager. He's my friend and, you know, we go, he's my work friend. And we go and we have coffee or whatever. And if I need something in the accounting world, that's how I'm looked at. I'm not looked at as just another requirement. I'm looking at, I, I'm looked at as an ally because I've now shown that person that I care um, about them. And, you know, don't get me wrong, this is, these are, when we say we care about people, we do genuinely care about people, but it's not a, um, how do I express it? It's a very, it's in a very healthy, dedicated approach to the mission and purpose of the organization. Yes. So it's within that context in most cases, unless you happen to have a really close personal, you know, relationship going on. So when I come to this person because I don't understand something or I need help or he has numbers that I need for some reason, now we're on a friend basis. We're not just um, a person that's in the same organization as you are. So um, that's what makes it so effective. Plus, you have an ally there that if you're struggling with something in, from a servant leadership standpoint... You've got another voice over there that is a very practical, um, educated voice, has a lot of work background, so they can speak to you from that standpoint. So there's a lot to be gained by building relationships with people across department lines mm -hmm. and looking for the one that's probably the farthest out you know, for you. Because I think you gain a lot more that way. Yeah, just a, a lot better or different perspective. Well, it's like saying, you know, I'm going to meet with the en an engineering person. I mean, mm -hmm. I had nothing to do with engineering. But the work they did in developing new products affected me greatly mm -hmm. when I was in, you know, a materials position. So, um, you know, there's... You may not think the area affects you, but think harder because mm -hmm. you'll probably figure out a way that they do affect you. Yeah, definitely. So with bonding, you can look at it as the the high school cafeteria example <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of who are you going to sit next to? Yeah. And do you want to stay in your little clique and your little group and, and make that your whole world? Or do you want to step out? and be a little bit, uh, um, you know, step out of that comfort zone mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and try and get to know somebody and, and uh, be optimistic that they will surprise you. Yeah. And, um, and I love the fact <laughs> that uh, of, those, of those 
benefits that you end up getting that you and and those are only the few examples because uh you know nine times out of ten the benefits that you'll actually receive you won't actually know you'll be you you would have received them in the beginning i mean it's going to your perspective is going to change so much that you're going to start seeing these benefits from from doing that so um but yeah having a trusted ally is so great and then building a relationship so that when you're in need you have somebody that you can go to whether it's work project related or whether it's that that bigger um, yeah and keep in mind here we're not building relationships so that we can be political (laughs) yeah you know win some sort of political situation we're we're doing this because when you do it and the organization runs more smoothly and efficiently and with greater success, you're learning to add value to the company and hence to yourself. Because Mm -hmm. if you believe in what your organization is doing, then it's a win-win. But we don't go into strengthening these relationships in a a, um, looking for power kind of way. Totally. I just want to really make that clear to people. You know, this is servant leadership. Well, and that and and that and that brings up the that that perfect question to ask yourself, the listener who's listening to this podcast right now, is what are your intentions in the company that you're at? Ooh, right? yes. So, what you know, are you, are you actually invested in the same things that the company is invested right. in? Right. Or are you there? For some other reason. Right. And you know what? Sometimes that's okay. It's t- Exactly. Exactly. But I think what you'll find is if you are a person who, you know, just in general has good intent, mm-hmm. you'll find something in the organization that does um, uh, align itself with how you feel. Or, you know, it'll be so opposite of how you feel that you won't be there very long. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I think we have one extra tip. <laughs> Would you like to identify what that one yeah, extra tip is? You know, is? I in in sort of coming up with our script, I, this occurred to me and so I I put it in there as just one extra tip we should talk about. <laughs> and that is to put on your about your observation hat. And really pay attention to whether or not there's an abundance of finger pointing in your culture and in your department. Because when you look at that and and observe, just sit back and observe people when there's a problem, um, it will tell you a lot about where you are and where you can potentially start to change things. And... uh, this finger pointing is a sign, in my opinion, of disengagement. If that's the first thing you do, rather than even dealing with trying to solve the problem, you just point your finger towards somebody else. Yeah. And Art likes to say, you know, point that finger, and how many fingers are pointing back at you? Three. Right. So just remember that and be on the lookout for those those behaviors where people are pointing at one another um, because you need to nip that 
in the bud, as they say, mm-hmm. and, and work with people so that that isn't their first reaction. And doing these things that we've suggested will get to that matter of finger pointing. Yes, yes. There's a big difference between finger pointing and then just acknowledging that there is a problem. Right. 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 And saying we need to work together to find a solution. Yeah, exactly. Well, great. So do we have any final thoughts? I do. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hear those final thoughts. (laughs) My final thought is to pull ourselves back up to 30,000 feet and think about this subject and really... Um, We've said this before as far as servant leadership really entails having a new mindset, a new way you automatically think about things. And, you know, we in in power-oriented businesses, it's all about how do we achieve achieve making more money. Mm -hmm. Plain and simple. How do we achieve making more money? At the end of the day, when all the bills are paid and all of that, are we making money? Um, And employees are there to assist in that goal of making more money. So what what I'm really asking is pull yourself up to those 30,000 feet, look down and realize that now as a leader, your thinking has to be different. Mm You need to think in terms of people first and then the detail of achieving those financial goals. Because when you think people first, you will achieve greater financial goals than you would if you only thought dollars first. Um, None of this, none of this servant leadership stuff is possible if you don't put the people first. Mm. And so your job as a leader is to be an advocate for the people and think that way first. And uh, I think you'll find that it reaps great, great rewards. Yeah. So that's my final thought. Well, it's funny because I wrote down a, a, a couple little uh, thoughts too. And it goes along with that as well. And I think that one saying kind of rang out in my head that's really doing a disservice and probably has for a very long time, but looking at your company as a, a, a fine, well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. And to correct that by understanding that your company is not mechanical, it is, it is not... Uh, it's it's filled with people so living breathing feeling people and so to treat your company accordingly i think that leaders look especially when they hire people or when they look at you know the needs of their company they say oh we need a we need a graphic designer and then they get a graphic designer and you go okay i'm good i'm covered got got a graphic designer okay you do but you also have you have a person who is named Becky and you know this is maybe one of her first jobs 
and she's never been in this industry before. And yes, she does graphic design, but she has a whole big life <laughs> and goals and intentions um, that, uh, to your point, are, are, are much more vital than uh, to, to and better, uh, more needed to understand than how much profit she's going to allow me to uh, make more of kind of thing. So to change that mindset shift and to also continue to, to allow if, if one statistic, one, uh, I, I'd really like to continue to play in the listener's ear is 51% of employees are not feeling engaged right now. And so maybe as a little experiment, the next time you're in a uh, 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 meeting with everyone and you're posing a question or you're talking to people, just survey the room and see how people are reacting to what you're talking about or what's going on in the room. I mean, if you're having a lot of people checking their phones or on their computer and not making eye contact, and uh, if you ask a question, maybe, you know, the same two or three people are answering and the rest of the people in the room are not, I mean, that's over half of, of your employees um, are not feeling engaged. So, so that's the... That's the thing we're trying to correct here is that big number. Right. Two. So really, if you want engaged employees, um, put people first. Yeah. Get to know them. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you once again, Carol, for, for sitting down with us and talking about uh, this great topic of engagement. Great. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, and then so we will have a free gift to go along with this series. So uh, to receive a downloadable PDF of the 10 ways, all 10 ways to create engaged employees as a servant leader, just email us at info at servantleadershipinstitute.com with the title Creating Engaged Employees, and we will send that over to you. And lastly, we will have a webinar uh, coming in on December 5th that we'll be talking about creating engaged teams as a servant leader. So if you're interested in attending that, just go to our website and uh, you can reserve your seat. Uh, That's servantleadershipinstitute.com and you'll get all the details for that event there. Uh, That's all we have for you today. Uh, So we hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you again for allowing us to add value to your day. Thanks, everyone. 